The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. This is your host, Ann Gelsheimer, and my guest today is author Betsy Otter Thompson. Betsy's new book, Love Human, shares her insights into essential questions such as, who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And how can we find comfort in a world that can be very challenging? As a young child, Betsy was able to communicate with spirit, but for many years she ignored this gift. Later in life, things were not going well for Betsy, and just when she was on the verge of homelessness, she said a prayer and her life turned around. During this interview, we're going to learn what was in that prayer and how was it answered, as well as many other things that Betsy has learned along the way, including how to apply Louise Hay's healing approach to heal herself. So, Betsy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, I'm so pleased that you were able to take the time to be here. So, maybe we could start uh, right from the beginning. Um, If you would tell me about that connection you felt with spirit when you were just a little girl. Well, my mother was always talking about her grandmother, who was my great-grandmother, and how much she loved her and how much I looked like her. And I decided at that age that, you know, it was really nice to have uh, that kind of a connection with my mother, that I was so close to my great-grandmother. And so I decided I would try to see if I was like her in other ways. And so I started talking to her at night, and it seemed like the most natural thing in the world to me that I was talking to her and she was responding, and I was having these lovely conversations. And I guess at that age I just assumed that everyone could do it. I could do Everyone could do it. So I said to my sister, who was two years older, I told her when I was speaking to our great-grandmother, and I said, who do you speak to? And she went totally ballistic and teased me for weeks about it and tortured me about it, and I was so traumatized by her reaction, and I thought to myself, well, my goodness, if this is how she reacts, how would the rest, you know, the rest of the family react if if they knew, and, you know, my friends, and so I just was so upset about her reaction that I stopped doing it, and it wasn't until... Many years later, when I was in California and almost homeless, um, that I took some uh, look at, a good look at my life and decided that, gee, I mean, it wasn't working. Um, I'd spent most of it blaming others for all my problems and anyone I could find to blame. And so I did say a prayer one night, and I said that I, I wanted to honor the gift. I wanted to be my authentic self, but I sure needed a job to support me while I did. And three weeks later, I got a job in the entertainment business where I worked for the same man for the next 18 years. And I did so well in the job that in 18 years I was able to retire and write full time. So it was just like a miracle, and it was like the universe said to me, oh, okay, if you're ready, we're ready, and here we go. That is so exciting. I love that. And I love the fact that your book is really based not only on communication with spirit, but how you've integrated those messages into your life. So well, it, was let's, really, it was really a life-changing time for me because I began to hear, um, you know, the answers to all my questions in life, and I just, um, it was just a, about taking responsibility. That was the big thing for me. It was about taking responsibility and becoming accountable and realizing that I had made the choices that had got me almost homeless, nobody else. Uh, all the people I blamed, they hadn't made those decisions for me. I had made those decisions, and so I had to really basically say to myself, okay, if I'm accountable, I'm responsible for this, and if I got myself into this mess, then I can jolly well get myself out of this mess. And that's why it was so empowering, because when I felt like a victim, I felt like I was 
I was at the mercy of other people. And when I decided that I was accountable, then it sort of empowered me to do differently. Well, that is very empowering. And I think sometimes initially that's a hard lesson, that's a hard message for people to hear, especially when they're in the middle of a really, really bad time. But maybe you could illustrate with an example of how a person could be, maybe perhaps from your own life, how a person could be in a difficult situation and find their way to some power. Well, I think that the, the most difficult situations we face are the ones with the most growth. And I think that we always, in one way or another, we face people who are mirroring ourselves, mirroring our own growth. And the things that are the hardest to look at and the hardest to deal with are the things that we need to deal with in ourselves. And I know that doesn't sound easy, and it isn't easy because... It's hard to be honest with ourselves. In other words, if someone is cruel to us, then basically I really believe we're being cruel to ourselves in some way, maybe just by being in the presence of someone who is cruel. That's, that's cruelty to self. And, or we've mm-hmm. been cruel to somebody else, and that's going to happen. I mean, I have an example of this when I was first starting to work on it. When I first got these ideas, I was so excited about the ideas that were coming through me, and it was changing my life. And so I, you know, I had this attitude that everybody should have these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so they were for everybody. There, they were helping me. They would help everybody. And so I, all of a sudden, I realized that somebody I was working for was very patronizing towards me, and was bothering the heck out of me. So what I had to do was really say to myself, "Okay, this is how I feel from being patronized. I feel that I'm not that nobody's valuing my, you know, valuing my worth in this job. I'm I'm made to, made to feel that I'm not good enough." And so I had to ask myself, who am I making feel that way? And after I asked that question, I didn't advertise it with other people. This was a, this is a study that I did on my own with myself. And when I realized that I was being patronizing to other people about the ideas that I believed in as if they didn't have, you know, they didn't have a soul who knew what they needed to learn, <laughs> not what I needed to learn. And right. so that, that was really the answer. So I went back and I changed my behavior towards these people who I was, kept insisting that they should be doing what I was doing or reading what I was reading or knowing what I was knowing and um, assured them that they knew exactly what they needed to do with their lives. And then the, the person at the work was continue, continued to be patronizing, but it didn't bother me anymore. It was as if I noticed it, but it didn't impact my aura. And I believe that's because we all have an aura around us, and within that aura, it represents all the things we put out into the universe. So if something comes towards us that we haven't put out, it just sort of bounces off our aura and doesn't bother us. That is really interesting. I like the way you put that. So... When I was looking at some of the ideas in your book, it really seems to be a kind of a path of radical choice. People are making choices all the time, maybe not even realizing they're making the choices. Maybe you, maybe you could talk a little bit about how the choices that happen before we're even born. Yes, there's a, there's a chapter about that in, in the book about, uh, well, what I believe is, this is how I, I see it. I see us uh, in my imagination. I picture it. We're all, before we come here, we're all up and we're all out of body, wherever that is. It's, I mean, I really believe there's only one place to be, so we're all in the same place, but we're not out of, we're not in body. So we want to come back into body to learn something we couldn't learn before. So we're planning our journey and we're planning it with all the people who want to be part of our journey or whose journey we would like to be a part of. And I would say maybe to somebody, well, I need to understand this particular idea on this journey. And then someone else would pop in and say, oh, well, I can give, I can be the person that will help you with that. For instance, I had a, I had a struggle with my mother and, um, uh, it, it was a hard struggle and, but I, but it was something I needed to go through to, to actually find my path. And so I probably said, well, I need to have a challenge to get to my path. And my mother probably said, oh, well, I'll be the challenge because I need such and such and such. And so I think we plan who we're going to find and that, and who we're going to, who, who is giving who a challenge. And I believe it's all a gift, even though it doesn't feel like a gift a lot of the times when we're living it. And so I believe that's what's happening before we get here, that we're, and I believe we've lived life after life. And each time we come into life, we take on the challenges that we feel will expand our heart even more and help us to go deeper within to discover the beautiful energy that we really are. And when you were speaking with spirit, um, what did Spirit have to say about the different places where we might choose to come in? Not just necessarily this particular world, but other places. Yes, well, I mean, I, I believe that um, with, with the imagination that we have, um, why wouldn't we have created other places 
that we could go to, too. I can't imagine this world being the only world there is. Why wouldn't there be other worlds that we could experiment in? If we could go, if we could create, if we were the energy of God and we could create any place we wanted, why wouldn't we create many different places, all with a different kind of challenge or different kind of atmosphere? Uh, and, and why wouldn't we do that? It doesn't make any sense that we wouldn't do that if we could do that. That, that makes sense, absolutely. Yeah. Now, when you, in, in the book, you talk about God as an energy. I, I wonder if you could share your ideas uh, about God and what is God. I think God is energy, and we are energy, and so is everything else on this, in our universe energy. And uh, so everything is God. I, I, I believe that we all have God within us, or we wouldn't be here. I mean, we have the energy of God within us, or we wouldn't be here, and the animals have the energy of God within them. They wouldn't be here. Everything that exists has this energy. It just has, a, it just varies in its vibration. And, uh, the more evolved you are, the higher your vibration. That's, that's really how I explain God, because I don't think there's anyone else bossing us around or telling us what we should or shouldn't live or what we shouldn't should experience. I think there's just, if there is a, this wonderful power of God, God would just encourage us to live whatever we needed to live. And who would know better what we needed to live than, than the person who has, who is living it? Right. Absolutely. So, you've talked about how um, the ideas were flowing into your life and, and how inspiring that was. I wonder if you could share a little bit about who it is you're speaking with in spirit and how you, how you develop that connection, how, how that worked for you. Well, you know, I'm asked this question a lot, and I'm not, I, I never know how to answer it because I, I don't understand the process myself even. But I've, but I've heard the explanation from spirit that um, how, does a, how does a painter get their vision? Uh, how does a musician hear their notes? Um, would they be able to explain that? You know how that how their how their particular gift comes through them. All they know is that that's how the love within them expresses. And so I don't think it's any different with the gift of writing, and, and, the, and especially in the gift of writing the way I do it. I I just open my heart uh, and I and I and I allow the answer to flow through me, which I believe is what I have. Two daughters who are artists, and their art, their work is very different, and it just. You know, they just, it so couldn't be more different, and yet they grew up in the same family. And so it's just their own individual expression of a subject matter that comes through them, and that's the same thing that happens to me. So I don't know the exact process. I only know that it happens. Does that make any sense to you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, that, that creative vision. I'm just curious. I'm always curious about just how people get in touch with that and like do you pose a question and sit down as you're about to write or does it just happen through the course of the day or how, how does that how does that happen well i i write a lot i spend a lot of time writing and but the the energy is there always for me i believe that we always that we have our guides and they're with us 24 7 uh and probably that's one you know one of the things that spirit likes to do when it's out of body uh, it it probably wants to love and help and uh support people and so i think we all have a guide and i just um i just get it, it comes to me and i'm not always sure that i even decide what the questions will be <laughs> okay <laughs> um, because, and I think that the questions that I've had are questions that everybody has. They're so universal. They're the things that we start to wonder about as soon as our souls and our, our hearts are big enough and old enough to question. And they're all the things that I, I wanted answers to. And I wanted answers that worked for me because, I mean, I, not to say that there aren't other people out there writing that have heard beautiful things because I've read some of them and they're so beautiful. But, it's all a personal thing of the things, you know, I have maybe have different questions that I want answers to than other people do. Well, and the things you're writing about are so profound that, you know, I mean, you could, many lifetimes you could write and, and still not be able to fully express it. So it's so unique what you bring through. And then the people who are going to want to read that book and be touched by what you say are the ones who need it, who need to hear it just the way you put it. Yes, that's, that's, I think that's true. And I think that, um, some of that's planned before we get here too. Uh, that they'll find, I mean, I believe that we find practically moment to moment exactly what we need. That uh, we may not believe it, <laughs> we may not want it, we may resist it, but it's still what we need. 
it's still what we need because I don't believe to say otherwise, for instance, to say otherwise about somebody who makes a choice that you don't like or someone who's created a war that you don't approve of, to say that that person should have done otherwise or should have been otherwise is to really say that the soul in that person is a dummy. And I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's possible. We don't really know why people come here and what their purpose is when they come here and the role they've agreed to play when they come here. So how can we judge what they are doing or, or how they are living their life when we don't have that, the necessary information to make a judgment about it? So it's almost like we're operating at least on two levels. On, on the larger level, on the level of the soul, we have no judgment. But on the level of practicality, if someone's in an abusive relationship, they've got to make a choice about that. Yes, but that it's also about acknowledging the fact that you are abusing yourself by being in the abusive relationship. And right. therefore, the energy is compatible with you until you get out of that abusive relationship. In other words, you, you don't get in an abusive relationship if you don't allow abusers into your life. So you're really making choices about what you're going to allow into your life. It's not really about the other person at all. It's really about how, what you want to create with exactly. your life. And if you stop being abusers, an abuser of yourself, of yourself, or of somebody else, you won't attract abuser an abuser into your life. They won't even be able to find you because compatible energy, incompatible energy cannot merge. It's like oil and water. They won't get together if they're not compatible in some way. Well, you know, I, I've worked as a therapist for over 25 years, and, and I, I would agree with what you're saying. There's, there's a point where if I'm working with people who have had a history of abuse, where they are just so done with that, that it, it stops. Like, it may have happened many, many times, but there's a point where they're saying, I will never let myself be treated like that again, and it doesn't happen anymore. Right. Yeah, well, well I we're, say I'm, we're somebody, I'm somebody like that myself, so that's how I know. <laughs> Right, you tested that one out. <laughs> so, Betsy, we're going to take a break, um, but when we come back, um, we've got so much to talk about, but I really do want to hear that story about how you applied uh, Louise Hayes' uh, healing method in, okay. in, for your own healing. So, this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hello, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. So my guest today is Betsy Otter Thompson, and we've been talking about her very insightful experiences with spirit and the book that she's re- recently written, which is called Love Human. And I promised before the break I would ask Betsy about her application of Louise Hay's healing method to her own life. So, Betsy, would you tell us about that? 
Yes. When I came back from California, I was in California for over 20 years, and I came back to, to, to where I grew up. And when I came back, I was it was like all of a sudden I was faced with all the issues that I'd had before I left, and they were all being relived with my family. And old resentments and grudges were coming up, and it was like festering inside of me. And it festered inside of me for a good three months without me really dealing with it, uh, which is unusual for me. I'm usually on top of stuff, but this just seemed to get to me. And I couldn't, and I, and I, and I realized that I was doing this, but what really happened from this is that I developed a lump in my back. So I went, first of all, I went to Louise Hayes' book, and Louise Hayes' book said that it was from grudges and resentments, and of course, that's exactly what, where my focus had been for the last three months. But I called the, called the doctor, I went to the doctor, and I said I had a lump in my back, and she said, come in tomorrow, because I have a history of cancer in my family, a lot of cancer. So I went in, and she examined me, and she said, yes, you have a lump in your back, and I want you to go in for an MRI tomorrow morning. And I said, okay. So she scheduled an MRI, and I went home that night, and I did a, did a very deep meditation. And during this meditation, I, I asked myself, uh, you know, what can I, where is the, where is this, the positive or the growth in, in the way my family reacted to my choices and how they dealt with me? And, the, you know, how can I turn this resentment into something positive? So during the meditation, I, I realized that the reaction of my family to my choices was really one of the motivations I had for leaving where I lived and moving to California. And California had been the beginning of turning my life around. And so it was almost, so I, when I realized that and I looked at it from that perspective, I started thanking them in the meditation for being the motivation I needed. And it's just switched my focus all around from being resentful and holding grudges to being grateful that they were the people that they probably promised to be to motivate me to get where I needed to get in order to accomplish what I came here to accomplish. And as I was giving this, this gratitude and thankfulness during the meditation, this stream of creamy light came all the way up through my body. And every time I talk about it, I get goosebumps because it was so powerful. And the, the meditation, and when the meditation ended, I went to bed. I got up the next morning and I went in for the MRI. And the doctor said she would call me in the afternoon to tell me the results. And so, she called in that afternoon, and she said, well, Betsy, it didn't show up on the MRI, so I want you to go in for more tests. And I said, well, before I do that, I have to tell you what happened last night. And so I told her about my experience, and she said, well, come into the office right now and let me take a look. So I went into the office, and the lump was gone. Wow. Now, my explanation for this is that the body is like a mirror uh, to any dis-ease in the mind. And so, therefore, if the dis-ease is in the mind, the dis-ease shows up in the body. So when I could turn that around into gratitude, from resentment to to gratitude, it was like the body said, oh, Betsy doesn't need the message anymore. We're out of here. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, so there's no reason for the lump to be there anymore. I didn't need any more reminding. I got it. And I really believe that this is what all body disease is about. It is reflecting the dis-ease in the mind. And so we have to deal with the mind first. And you were able to own that. You were able to admit that those were lumps of grudges and yes. resentment. And that's, so, that's where the honesty comes in. That is yes. so amazing. And, you know, I just want to tell the people who are listening that you don't need to share this with somebody else. You don't need to go out and tell the world that you're being, you know, resentful and... <laughs> And, right. and, you know, you don't have to tell the world. You only have to be honest with yourself. This is all about the healing that goes on in within you. Well, that's brilliant. And, you know, welcome to the human race. We all have exactly, our resentments exactly. and grudges. And this is part of, well, as you say, this is our path. This is, this is how we, we heal and we grow. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend today, this morning, as a matter of fact, and and I'd had a recent uh, breakthrough and some growth, and she said she was so glad to hear it because she didn't think I had any breakthroughs anymore. And I said, "Listen, I said if I don't have any breakthroughs anymore, I'll be—I won't even be here. I'll be off. I'll be off in another experience. You know, I'm going to be here as long as I have growth to find. And then when I don't, I'll leave. And so, um, you know, I thought it was funny that that she thought that I didn't have any more growth to go through. I mean, we all have growth to go through, or we wouldn't be here. 
Well, that absolutely makes sense. And, and you can see people leaving at different points in their life. And it is rather comforting to think that they completed what they needed to do. No yeah. matter what, no matter what the method of, of passing is, they've completed what they needed to do. Yes, they've completed what they came here to do. And I, I try to remind people about that when they have what they consider as a tragedy or death in the family, that that person was a gift for as long as they were here. And then their work was done and they moved on. I like that. Yes. Now, another idea that really intrigued me, um, I love the idea of magic and the magician. So would you talk to us about that chapter and how, how we are potentially magicians? Yes, we are. I mean, look at us. Um, we're performing tricks and conjuring up illusions on a day-to-day basis. And look what the body can do. Without any help, we parade around in this illusion, <laughs> you know, in total self-sufficiency. It's like if you saw a puppet come to life, we would be that puppet. And I think that uh, we are we are totally, we are so... We are so much more powerful than we believe we are. I, I do believe that we can really decide how our lives are going to be, not in terms of the picture, because the picture, I think, is predetermined in terms of the challenges that we knew we needed to live. But in terms of how we deal with it, we do have the option of how we want to see it, as whether we want to see it through the eyes of pain or whether we want to see it through the eyes of growth. And, and I do believe that's what turns everything around, because... That's just what we've been talking about. I, I, I decided to see that situation through the eyes of growth instead of the eyes of pain. And I think that, uh, you know, this is, this is, we are this, these magical beings that, you know, jump into a body for a certain length of time and we can, we can feel however we want to feel here. Any way we want to feel, we have that option. It's like, you know, sometimes it's, it's funny, funny because some, when I, before I was really understood these ideas and I heard them at the first time and I, I'm, I'm like arguing with spirits. I'm saying, <laughs> well, you know, the ideas come into my head. What am I supposed to do with them? They're there. There's right. negative thoughts are there. I can't get rid of them. And the thing is, I could get rid of them because you only need to replace them with a positive thought. It's like a habit you get into. You get in a habit of thinking in a negative way and you think it's stuck with you forever. It's not. It's, it's there because you've gotten into the habit of thinking in a negative way. But if it's a habit, you can just as easily create a new habit. And the new habit is formed the same way the old habit is formed, by repeating something over and over and over until you believe it. <laughs> that is perfect. It's, it's, I, I remember sharing that, I, that insight with people so often as a counselor that that the things that we think really are, they're kind of like trucks, you know, big heavy vehicles that have built up some speed because we've repeated the thoughts over and over and over again. And when we're trying to turn it around, it it takes some effort. It takes some real effort to do that, but we can do that and pick up speed and go in a different direction. Yes, we can, because whatever direction you go in gains momentum, just like a a big heavy truck. I love that (laughs) that analogy. It's so perfect, because it does. It gains momentum when whichever direction you're taking it. It, it gains momentum. That is great. So you also talked about how, let's see, there, we talked a little bit about how people are uh, mirroring what, what's going on inside ourselves. And that really suggests that we, we can shape our lives. I mean, I know there's certain events that our souls may have chosen to experience or maybe key events, but we really can be shaping what's going on outside. What, what, what is the amount of freedom that you think we have in terms of creating our lives? I think we have all the freedom in the world. The only thing that stops us is fear. Uh, fear stops us. Um, mm. It, it tells us that, uh, you know, it's that voice inside of us. We all have two voices inside of us. We have the voice of love and we have the voice of fear. And the voice of fear uses all kinds of tactics to keep us from finding fulfillment. Uh, it doesn't matter what it says. It always has a negative tone. It always has a doubting tone. It always has uh, the opinion that you're not quite what you should be. You're not quite doing what you should be doing. No, other people aren't quite doing what they should be doing. It's always about something being wrong instead right. of everything being right. And so to, to make that transition, you have to, it's, it's like you look at different life, life differently. And the first, the first thing you have to ask and accept yourself is that you are here because the soul believes there's growth here and that's a positive thought. You want to grow. And then the second thing is you have to ask yourself, you know, 
am I seeing this as a gift or am I seeing this as a trial? And if you're seeing it as a trial, you aren't finding what you came here to find. So why not change your opinion? And You know, it doesn't mean that you're immediately going to see everything as a gift, but it means that you have that thought in your head at least so that when something happens, you can say, oh, wait a minute, how did I want to look at this? How did I want to see this? How do I want to deal with this? Right. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have moments like I had of three months of resentment and grudges coming up again. Right, right. Because ego tells you you're justified for feeling that way. You're justified for all the feelings you have. That's what ego says to you. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're justified or not. It doesn't make the slightest bit of difference because whatever you act out is going to act back on you because the universe doesn't recognize justification. It just recognizes the action emotion that you put out there and says to itself, well, uh, Betsy thinks grudges and resentment is love, so let's give her lots more grudges and resentment back. Because <laughs> oh, that's Great, the universe thanks. goes by. It, just, it, it believes that we're always expressing love, whatever we're expressing, and so it gives us back our interpretation of love. That's interesting. You know, I have, I have a lot of uh, compassion like, for people who uh, perhaps have lost somebody very dear to them. And I think there's times where it's probably really hard to, to find the gift initially in the experience. But I, but I have seen, for instance, you know, somebody who's lost, a parent who's lost a child who can turn things around and create something amazing out of that experience. Yes, we all have. We've all seen the people who do that. It's the most amazing and wonderful thing. I'm so in awe of it. And so it's holding that hope that even if today isn't the day where the person's able to find the gift, you know, and, and not to feel burdened by that idea, but to know that, you know, as the, as the grief or as the pain subsides, that is a possibility. Yes, yes, it's a wonderful thing. What a gift those, those mothers are to everybody, that they're showing us that you can take the worst tragedy and turn it into a, a miracle for other people. I mean, I, I think that's one of the reasons that we come here to, to, to do things like that. For I mean, that, that's, I'm sure, was the hope of, of that person. You know, I, have, I remember reading in a, in a paper uh, years ago about a mother whose son was uh, killed by a, 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 a gang member. Um, and this woman, um, the, 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 the person who murdered her son, was sent to jail. And um, the woman grieved, had a certain amount of time of grieving, and then she decided that she would go talk to the, the to the to the boy who who killed her son. And she went there, and she she went there, and then she she wanted to go back, and she kept going back and talking to him. And eventually, she began to to realize the pain that he was in, and she sort of became a surrogate mother to her mother to this this boy. And it turned out that. Uh, she she went so many times and had this wonderful connection with this person that when the when the when the boy got out of of uh, jail he came to live with her and she said he became my son that I that I lost. Oh my God! I have heard that story, <laughs> and yes. I remember that it was so powerful. Yes, that- so powerful that she had that she had forgiven, and through the forgiveness she had she got what she missed. She got what she lost. I mean, it's the most incredible story. Wow, that is an amazing story. That that yeah. Now you mentioned that physics teach us how life works. So tell us a little bit about that before the break. Well, I think that the the um, the universe shows us how the how our our, our world works. It's um, everything's in perfect balance in the universe, and if one of the planets got out of balance, then everything else would have to realign and get in balance again. And if it lost complete balance, it would disintegrate. And I think that. And it's just reflecting. We are. We, it's reflecting how we live too. We're always in perfect balance, in that in that whatever emotional action we're putting out into the universe is coming back to us. And so, therefore, in this way, we are very much in, co- in control of our lives because uh, we can decide how to think about things and how to treat other people. And it's all about. I mean, it's so it's such an old age old phrase to do unto others as you want to be done to. But it's what works. Yes. And it's one of the common teachings across all the different religious traditions. You know, yeah. what so, and there's different ways of expressing it, but it's a, it's a common, because it's a profound truth. Yes, it's a profound truth that whatever we are expressing human beings and whatever we put out into the universe is our interpretation of love. 
and that's what the universe receives and returns to us. And it comes back to the idea, again, that the universe thinks everything is love. So it doesn't matter how you're behaving. The universe interprets it as love because the universe knows there is only love. It's just that we're interpreting it in a slightly different way than the universe does. But the universe gives it back to us regardless. So we can't see right now. It's kind of like we've got these filters on. We can't see the love in all of it. All right. uh, We're going to go to our next break. Um, Okay. Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's Conscious Evolution Radio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, this is Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome back to Conscious Evolution Radio. We're speaking with Betsy Otter Thompson regarding her book, Love Human. And Betsy, I wonder, you had some interesting ideas about what dreams are and what they have to teach us. So, would you talk more about that, our nighttime dreams? Yes, I think they. Um the, the reason they exist is to keep us informed of our daytime behavior. I think they are a gift to us, and I think when we first made plans to manifest in a body in matter, we wanted an idea for guidance that was reliable and consistent, and reliable in that it was protected from outside interference and consistent in that it was available on a fairly regular basis. And to meet these requirements, we came up with a dream state because it offers a private sanctuary where individual growth can be considered independent of other people's growth. And so, therefore, the information that we have in our dreams is very personal and always refers to our own lives, not the lives of others. Other people are not uh, in our dreams. They are, they are in our dreams as a reflection of something that we need to look at in ourselves. Um, you know, that like when somebody comes to you and says, oh, you were in my dream last night, and you did this, that, and the other, so, you know, you're horrible. <laughs> well, you know, that's not, that's not about the, the person who is in the dream. It's about the person who's doing the dreaming, uh, about something that they need to look at in their own lives, about how they've been mean to somebody or cruel to somebody. And it's just another way, it's just another gift that we give ourselves when we come here to try to keep ourselves on track, to try to keep ourselves, to rem- try to help ourselves remember what we're here to do and what, what this life is all about. So it's like a great gift uh, that we gave to ourselves. It's now, just an opportunity to review our progress. I often talk to people about their dreams, and it's I know some of them are a little easier to understand than others. Some seem truly bizarre. <laughs> yes, I think it's more about the emotion that the dream evokes in us than anything else. Because that's because that's what our lives are all about, the emotion that we feel and the emotion that we receive from other people. So that's where we get hung up uh, on, on emotion. So I think it's always about asking 
the person, or I always ask myself this question, how did that dream feel to me? How did I feel in that dream? And if I felt that I was, you know, um, that someone was being mean to me or cruel to me, then it's about me looking in my own life and asking how have I and where have I been cruel or mean to somebody else? Uh, because that's what the dream, it's like the soul giving you a little clue about what needs to be looked at in your life and where you can do a little healing. And if you always think of it in terms of healing, you know, it's, the reason some of this work is hard is because it's not easy to say to yourself, I've been cruel to somebody. Nobody wants to admit to being cruel to somebody. But it only feels bad until you admit it. Once you admit it, it's very freeing because once you admit that it's there, you are able to do something about it. And that's very freeing. And the person that you may have been cruel to could be somebody else, but also could be yourself. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Because usually, however you treat yourself, you treat other people. Yes, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Now, I know some people, including myself, have occasionally had dreams that are precognitive. So it's interesting. I'll, I'll just I'll share one quickly. For instance, a friend of mine, his son was in uh, rehab. And in the morning, I had a, a quick dream of his son phoning him that morning saying, uh, Dad, I'm leaving rehab. And... And I woke up. It was a very short dream. When I went into work that morning, actually, I saw my friend, and um, he looked devastated. And I asked why, and he said, "My son just phoned me. He's left rehab." So I know sometimes the dreams are not only about ourselves. What would you have to say about that? I couldn't agree more. My son had a dream once when he was um, on the West Coast, and he was looking for an apartment, and he went in to look for uh, an apartment. Uh, what happened was he had a dream. This is I'm putting it for the cart before the horse. He had a dream um, the night before he went looking for an apartment, and in the dream, uh, he was in the bathroom of an apartment, and there was blood all over the place, and he was injured badly. They thought he was dying in the dream, and the next day he went and looked for an apartment, and he the, the apartment had that bathroom, the exact bathroom that was in his dream. Oh, and so wow. it was to me, and he thought it. He thought it was also a message, this is not the apartment for you. Right. Something bad might happen. Yes. Something bad will happen. So I definitely believe that that can be true. And I think that's just another gift of the dream state. It can be anything. I mean, it can be many things. And I I totally believe that. Yes. I I think it's fascinating. I know uh, some of the people, the researchers like... um, uh, Robert Monroe, who, you know, down in uh, working with Hemisync and down at the Monroe Institute, people leaving their bodies at night and traveling, having all kinds of interesting experiences. I I think that's also an option as well. Yes, but it's, I, it's yes, like, it's still an... Ex- <laughs> and I've had that. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Tell- yes, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's, um, it's always about the, the growth of the moment for the person, whatever they're ready for. I really believe that. Whatever they're ready for. That makes sense. And it's, it's like an extension of the day, but it's opening up frontiers and opportunities. It's like expanded consciousness is yes. what it is. And the same thing can happen in meditation. Yes, absolutely. Yes, there's people who uh, use meditation to do that kind yes. of traveling. Yeah. Now, you had some ideas about prayer, too. And uh, so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I think that, um, well, the message that the book offers is that there's some confusion about the nature of answered prayers. For instance, when we pray for others to change their minds, change their behavior, or alter their loyalties, uh, the message from Spirit is that God has no comment on that. Uh, when we pray for others to be more loving, more considerate, more honest, God has no comment on that either. So God has no comment because God knows that change begins within. And it isn't about us praying for other people to be different. Uh, it's about uh, being the change we want to see in others. That's what it's about. So a powerful prayer is the one that's rooted in, in love, respect, and compassion for the needs of other people. And uh, and praying for yourself, you know, when you turn the prayer around and say, um, you know, what can I do to be more loving, lo- more loyal, and more considerate, I think that's the kind of prayer that gets answered immediately. And so we have to, you know, remember, what is, what is it we are praying for? We, we, it, 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 to pray for someone to, to have a certain thing happen in their life or for a certain thing to happen to another person, uh, it's really, in a way, a form of criticism of the life they already have. 
saying right. they should be different or they should change. Why should they change? Because we want them to change. They change when, they, when they're ready for change, and only they know when that time is. Right. I mean, so, I, have, I have a son who um, got into drugs like millions of other parents, and, um, and there wasn't anything I could do about it until he was ready to say, I've, I've had enough. I'm ready. I'm ready. And it wasn't anything anyone could do. It had to come from inside of him, and he had to say, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Right. Right. So we start letting go of trying to control other people, and yeah. we start looking at how we can empower ourselves. Yes. Yes. What, how can we be the person that we wish these other people would be? And that's what God helps you with. That's, what, that's the prayer that gets answered when you ask how you can, you know, become what you want others to be, what, how you can become a better person, how you can be better, become a more loving person, a more considerate person, a more loving person, and then all the opportunities come into your life to see if you really mean it. <laughs> you know, I heard this wonderful quote. It was something to the effect of... Um, my my worth or my my success actually was my success is not measured by who I I am better than, but am I better than who I used to be? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, great. I love that. I love that idea where we're. It's not a competition with anybody else. It's no. really about our own development. Right. That's why it's so personal, and that's why nobody else knows what it needs to be. I mean, I could have when first half of my life when I was blaming everyone else. People could have said, you know, stop blaming, but it didn't. <laughs> it was just like, you know, I just didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. That's the thing. I didn't hear yeah. it. There's a readiness factor. Yes. <laughs> People have to be ready to, to take a look at that. Yeah, you have to be ready to look at yourself. That's true. I mean, there's no other answer. I mean, if you always think that the, if you, it's very, it's very disempowering to believe that the answer is in other people because then you feel at the mercy of everything that other people are doing around you and somehow you become the victim. And when you feel like a victim, you do not feel powerful. That's true. That's true. All right. And tell us about peace because we, we were going to talk about that as well. I think that, um, I think you can find world peace if you're willing to find peace within, because I think that there's, everything happens on the inside and then reflects on the outside. And I think it's useless to worry about uh, whether this country or that country is ever going to find peace, whether other people are ever going to find peace, because it's the same old thing that you don't, that everyone has their own individual path. If you are looking for peace, then you must live a peaceful life, because you don't find peace unless you do. It is, it is, it is something you create for yourself. And if you create peace for yourself, then you will attract peaceful people to you. People who are fighting in wars, they are also finding their reflection. They believe that war is uh, necessary, so they find other people who believe that war is necessary. If you don't believe war is necessary, then don't be a warring person. And you have to ask yourself, you know, ask yourself, are you living a peaceful life? And that means to you look through your thoughts. Are you are your thoughts in a warring place? Are you are you thinking in terms of resentment and grudgment and and resentment towards other people? Are you what what is it your your focus? Because that's the focus you get back. So, you know, it's fine to pray for peace, but pray for peace in your own life first, because it's a one person at a time thing. That's beautiful. And then you have that impact on everybody around you because right. you're, you're carrying that energy, literally. That's right. I think the peace is a state of mind after, after you find it in thought, it manifests in matter. Mm. So tell us why you called the book Love Human. Well, I don't know that I called it that, but... <laughs> oh, okay. Somebody I did. Think <laughs> um, I think it is just a reminder to all of us of what we really are. I, I, I think that um, I think as soon as we drop the body, we realize that everything everything is love. That there's no there's no nothing else exists except love, and we just forget it. We forget it. We, we I think when we first come here, that children children have that wonderful, incredible love in them. They love everyone. They don't see anything like color, age. Uh, you know, occupation, they don't see anything but love in other people, and that's why it's so irresistible to be around children, because they're so, love you, love you, love you. <laughs> and so they're, they still remember where they just came from. That's why they're so appealing to everybody. 
And so then we lose it. Somebody tells us a lie about ourselves and we believe it. And then another tells us another lie and we believe it. And so it's all about getting back to that place. And I think when we first came here, which is about the first chapter about imagination, when we first came here, in, when we first, not this lifetime, but when we first came into matter as, as uh, you know, God personified in, in uh, human form, we believe, we, I'm sure we loved everyone and loved everything that about, the, about the journey and everything was pretty blissful for quite a while. And then? <laughs> and then we heard the voice of fear. <laughs> Right, right, which really distorts our perception. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about, you know, it's all about the, the individual autonomy of each person, that you have the autonomy to listen to whatever voice you want to listen to, and that, that's, uh, and when you, when you get to be a thinking adult, I know it's not always easy in the teenage years because you are susceptible to the beliefs of others for a long time, but we all get to the point of maturity where we have the choice of saying, is this something I want to continue to believe about myself? That that's the true power. Yeah. Now we just have a couple of minutes uh, before the end of the program. I wanted to ask you a little bit to, if you would tell our audience about what you're doing this weekend, um, and and any other uh, maybe how they could get in touch with you. Also, your website. Okay. Well, my website is betsythompson.com, and all my other social media is there, and so they can they can join me on Facebook and all those other things through my website. It's BetsyThompson.com, B-E-T-S-Y-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. And this weekend, I'm going to be in New Hope at the Solstice Expo at the Firehouse in New Hope, and I'll be reading cards, and I will be selling my books, and I will be selling my little sweaters that I make and design for children called Sweet Angel Sweaters. Oh, that sounds delightful. I wish I could see them. (laughs) (laughs) They sound beautiful. Well, just so that people know, uh, for every guest who's on the program, we always create a guest webpage. So um, if you're wanting to follow up with Betsy or look at her other books, other things that she's done, there'll be a guest webpage for her with her, all her contact sites, her Twitter account, everything will be there for you. So Betsy, thank you so much for taking time to be on the program. I, I really appreciate it. And I think we've been talking about things that are so important. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed every minute. You're a fantastic host. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's something I so enjoy. This is just so fun for me to do this. (laughs) So thank you for that. I I appreciate that. And thank you to the uh, listeners. Um, It's just been been a real joy doing this program. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and please join us again next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.